On this episode, we talk to Mark Jones from Fit Out Finance. We talk about how he got started in the industry, about how pivotal Fit Out Finance can be for a business, and his outlook on the future, and much more. Now, time to spend 30 minutes in finance. Thank you, David. I'm Mark Jones. Uh, my business is Fit Out Finance, which, as the name suggests, specializes in providing funding for premise fit outs. Perfect. And thank you for, for coming on, as I said. And interestingly enough, one of our viewers um, called Jay Johnson actually wanted somebody that does more sort of unique finance uh, things, which is why I reached out to get in touch with you. And I don't think I told you that before, but little shout out to them. Uh, so thanks for, for that suggestion. And, and thanks again for coming on, Mark. Um, are you able to give us a, a little bit of a background into sort of what got you into the industry and just walk us sort of from how you got in? Have you always been in finance? And if so, obviously, how you got started and what what you did to get to where you are now? Yes. So thinking about this made me realize that I've been in the finance industry for 40 years. Wow. Which is a little bit of a frightening thought. For me. <laughs> um, I joined way back when I'm what we call one of the last of the traditionally trained finance people. Uh, back when banks owned big finance companies and they used to refresh, recruit people fresh from college send them on training courses and teach them in the ways of finance. Um, nice. So I joined Lloyd's Bowmaker, which, as the name suggests, was owned by Lloyd's Bank. They sent me to Edinburgh for four weeks and trained me. Obviously, I knew everything because I had a business degree. Um, and they taught me all about finance. Um, was it... Yeah. Were you always interested? Obviously, if you did a business degree, was that the sort of route that you were aiming to go down? Were you always sort of steering towards that or did it just sort of fall into your lap? I, I, I'd like to say I had a clear vision. I got offered a job with a company car and an expense account and I took it. Um, but I, I've never in my life dreamed of going into banking or finance or money. Um, <laughs> As I Funny say, how it time works. Ago, so it's obviously worked out for me. Yeah. Uh, as I say, the, the, tra the training was excellent back then. And even to this day, whilst certain fundamentals have changed and moved on, I still actually take away a lot of what I learned at Lloyd's Bowmaker and apply it to the way I run the business. Um, as, where did you then move from, from there? So I spent two and a half years at Lloyd's Bowmaker. They were very conventional, and old people will know this, but it was 60-70% of it was about the types of equipment you can finance. And essentially it came down to, does it have a serial number? Can you get money for it at an auction, and can you pick it up and take it away? Or in some cases, get a machine to pick it up and take it away. And if you didn't tick those boxes, it couldn't be financed. So it, it was, you might say, it was somewhat restrictive. But then I moved to Allard Irish Bank. It was far more restrictive. They were more open-minded in the types of business they would finance in terms of startups and things. But essentially, they said, if it doesn't have wheels and tracks, you can't finance it. So by default, I became something of an expert in financing construction equipment, um, and in particular, mobile cranes, mm. um, which really was my introduction to niching, to finance niches. 
Um, I took that, I built on that, and in 1988, the year is very fresh in my mind still, one of my customers said, rather than working for someone else, why don't you just go out and be a broker and finance it yourself? Um, and he even gave me some money to do it with. Wow. So I fell into finance broking in 1988, which was, again, quite some time ago. Yeah, that um, is a, a nice push from them. Um, you know, to, to give you that it, it, it's popular to talk about how difficult things were when you started I'll say the opposite it was incredibly easy <laughs> um, the finance in the, sorry the construction industry was booming and the finance industry was diversifying so what's now known as alt, altfi or alternative finance was in its infancy then and of course we didn't know the terminology but it was very much about not using big banks. It was about using specialist lenders. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a batch of customers who wanted to finance a lot of mobile cranes. The Back then, the unit cost of a mobile crane was 100,000-ish. Um, they didn't really care about the name above the door. They wanted someone who could finance mobile cranes for them quickly because they were growing rapidly. Um, we had lenders banging on the door. We had 125 lenders at the peak, and we didn't go looking for them. They came looking for us. So it was an exciting time in the industry. Things were changing quickly. And the first two years, we did really, really well. And then the recession hit, and we didn't yeah. do very well. Yeah, I can imagine. The construction <laughs> took a little... changed a lot. I'm not giving awards and all, because, of course... It is very much the truth that the tough times are what really forms us and educates us. Yeah. As I say, anyone can do it when it's easy. Most um, definitely. And so we got to a point in the early 90s, probably about 92, where things were dreadful. Um, our customers had gone bust. The finance, uh, sorry, the construction industry had been hit um, like nobody's business. Um, the odd time you got finance, a construction company that wanted finance, there were no lenders willing to lend to them. Um, so we were in a quite a dark place back then. So yes, from, from a very easy start, we sunk into a very, very bad position to be in. Um, yeah. One way or another survived it. And coming out, it was fairly obvious that the construction industry wasn't where we needed to be. Um, I did a little bit of looking around and we discovered this thing called soft asset finance, which is very well known now. But back then, the idea of financing computers was very sexy indeed. In fact, the mainstream lenders had a bit of a view on computers that you can finance half of the hardware. And yeah, because it, it's interesting, obviously, to um, to kind of where you've got to. So on the, the computer side, is that where you sort of started focusing in on it initially then after well, that, that was the mainstream of soft assets at the time it was becoming a thing and we found to our shop that you could even finance computer software on its own wow they, these were revelations this is stuff people do day to day now yeah um, back in the early 90s this was quite revolutionary and i had people who had trained me in asset finance coming to me and saying can you finance computers <laughs> And then just suddenly these people who knew everything were asking me for advice and information, which was quite lovely, really. How did that work back then? Because obviously, you know, um, 
it, it seems uh, fairly normal now where you can get obviously interest-free credit and blah, blah, you know the stores will offer all sorts of things for you but obviously for a large was it mainly working for really large firms that needed say like a hundred computers and you know really expensive sort of software and how did that actually work sort of what was the was it just a set percentage of the purchase price or, or what did they do and what was the sort of interest rates on those things no so we i've always been more inclined towards owner managed businesses uh, but bear in mind you know your, your average desktop then was you know one and a half thousand two thousand pounds yeah uh, it would be a small network you know networks were big talk at the time so maybe a you know five seven user network ten thousand fifteen thousand pounds rates nothing like what i was used to because of course in the hard asset industry i think it's still the case to this day you're handling over the fractions of a percent um when you're financing something that no one realizes can be financed, is really just a case of, wow, can you get us the money? <laughs> so, yeah. um, rates, you, know, you, you have to be competitive. You, you have competition, but you're certainly not down the, you know, you're not, you're not haggling on the factions, put it that way. Yeah, that's it's it. It's more about finding someone who is prepared to understand what it means. And, it, you know, it's, it's a world I exist in to this day. It's not computing still exist very much in that world of financing things that people really need which are secondary to their business yes how's it, it the, the sort of business moved on for you then from and so, if you has it been fit out since then or have you so, no so we, we we went along fairly well built a fairly credible brokerage just really doing soft assets and various things that you know the, the opposite of hard asset finance if you like that, that went along nicely. Um, if I cut forward to the banking crash, 2008, 2009, where I made two big mistakes, which I'll freely admit to, one of which was sort of made sense, and the other of which was very foolish. So the, the first one, which made sense, and I understand why I did it, I thought the banks aren't lending. So now I am going to focus on being not a bank, and I'm going to go to all the bank managers I know, and ask them to pass me their customers. That didn't work because when banks don't lend, what happens is bank managers disappear and hide. Sometimes they get made redundant. Yeah. Uh, that bit wasn't a good plan, even though it made a lot of sense to me in the thought process. The thing that didn't make sense, which I sort of regret doing, except for the fact I learned a lot from it, was I stopped doing soft asset finance. I tried to offer all sorts of finance to all sorts of businesses. Um, I became Mr. Generalist. And if there's one business lesson I preach to everybody now, it's the quickest way to become invisible is to try to do everything for everyone. Yeah, I think there's a, a good, there's a popular saying, at least in the States, um, because it rhymes better, uh, is that the riches are in the niches, which we say niches. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it seems to to kind of make sense. And obviously from there, was it just a case of going already? It, it's all sort of gone a little wrong. Um, and how did you sort of build yourself back up from yeah. there? So I, I reached a pit. Funny enough, I was doing okay. We, we were doing deals, but there was no joy in it. There was no real buzz or excitement in it. It really was a case of 
finding ways to get people into debt, which isn't a pleasant place to be. Um, you know, we're, we're in the finance industry. We're all walking a little bit of a line between being money lenders and helping businesses. Yeah. And I wasn't on the right side of that line or I was right on the line or whatever. And I knew that I had to get back on the right side. I had to have some pride in what I was doing, not just lending money to own commission. Yeah. So I, I was in the fortunate position where I could step right out of the business. I think for a period of time, I convinced myself I'd left the industry, even though I still had a website and I still responded to emails, so I knew I hadn't left the industry. But my mindset moved right out of it. Um, and I went out, I even drove vans, I did all sorts of things just to get my mind straight. What I discovered then is that I actually got involved with a couple of government schemes, one of which was called the NEA scheme, which helps um, people on job seekers, or helped, it doesn't exist anymore, helped people on job seekers to go out and start a business. And, and also the startup loan scheme, which was sort of spun out of the NEA scheme. I've, I worked with them initially as a volunteer mentor, but then I started delivering courses, doing um, loan appraisals, quite a lot of things I did with them for a period of time, which helped me a lot because, first of all, I thought I was just sharing my knowledge of running a business, but actually I was sharing my customers' knowledge of running businesses, but also I was learning quite a lot from them about what they were doing and how they were approaching their business. So that helped me to get a few things in perspective. And as I say, I knew I had to find a niche and I knew I had to get some pleasure from the niche. The construction industry was a great place to be back in the day. It was a lot of fun. I, I dabbled in a few, put my fingers in, you know, thought we'll have a go at this. Then it just hit me one day, if I'm honest, it hit me when I was driving a van full of meat to Centre Park. Okay, finance. As you do. <laughs> so, something about it, I just knew it was right. I knew it was the way to go. And I couldn't explain it at the time. It made probably a few months to, in my head, get my head around why it was right and where it was going to go. But I was so near it that I went home that evening, fairly surprised to find that the fit-outs of finance domains were available. I bought the domain and I built a website. Now, I have no web design skills. I'll tell you how few skills I had. Is the website I built in an evening on my sofa watching telly disappeared and it's never been seen since that was three hours effectively down the pan but it wasn't because i did it again and obviously i knew what i was doing this time i put the website up and the next day i got an inquiry from them wow so if i, if I needed corroboration that it was good that was it there was, there was no going back from that point i've since you know formulated a bit more i started to understand what's good and you know, where it fits in and things. But right from day one, it worked. The reason it worked is because it defined the purpose and the plan. And where I'd been, the, you know, can I lend you money market, is a little bit purposeless and planless. It's we need cash. Without finance says, you have premises, you're doing something with your premises, therefore you have a business plan. It may not be a lovely, glossy business plan, but you have something going on and we are part of what's happening within your business. And you know, everything revolves around that now. It's the plan and the purpose. Um, and the ethos of Fit Out Finance is quite simple. It goes, 
in and around the premises and is critical to the business. Mm. Um, and that is absolutely where we parked and it won't change. Yeah, because I like the, the idea of that sort of business because it's not something, and as you, you've probably seen, and I know most of the sort of podcast that we've done is very sort of heavily property related because that's the industry sort of I'm in uh, more yeah. so. And, and that's obviously why we asked you to come on because it is a really interesting sort of niche, as they say. Like, it, it's not something that day to day I would have thought about, <laughs> but I can definitely see why you might you know, that it's definitely a vital kind of thing to actually need to raise finance on. And it's not always that easy. Because what are the sort of things that you're doing? Obviously, it's anything that, that goes in, but what sort of things are the typical things you're actually funding? So, I don't, well, I'm sector agnostic. As I say, they have to have premises, which sort of defines the sectors a little bit. But um, hotels sort of sum up where we fit in very neatly. And I do actually target hotels as a customer base so you mentioned property so your average hotel owner would have a very large mortgage either with a bank or with a specialist hotel lender probably in the millions yeah their lender on the property will have put a huge amount of emphasis on the valuation of the property i know you know better than i do but i'm sure there are other factors at play but you know the, the value of the property is absolutely central to the the deal yeah. Well, that hotel owner then comes in and he says, actually, I want to do a rolling refurb of all my bedrooms. And that's going to cost 10 grand a bedroom. They go back to their lender. The lender says, not really, no, because we've only just taken this on and we're up to our loan to value and we need a bit of experience with you. So then they come to us. I say, well, valuations are relevant because the equipment we finance is worth absolutely nothing. And we know that that is our starting point. Is the equipment is worthless? What's the business plan? What's the equipment? So they'll come to us for their bedroom refurbs. So we sit very neatly alongside their prime lender, who is obviously comfortable with their bricks and mortar. We're financing what you might describe as the rubbish that goes within the bricks and mortar. <laughs> um, it's worthless equipment, which is worth a lot to that business. It's mission critical. Yeah. You know, as, as you know, if you refurb your hotel, occupancy goes up your room rate goes up your reviews get better so it's it's very much you know it's critical to the business even though you can't put a value on it so would you is the the sort of most of the funding then done on a an actual sort of the operating side of things so they'll look at obviously your turnover the business plan all of that kind of thing and what's it actually is it secured against anything or literally is it just an unsecured loan to help fund so, so, so unsecured is an interesting terminology, isn't it? We probably need to clarify it. Um, yeah. You, you and I know all about it. Um, most of the deals we do have personal guarantees on them. Yes, yeah. Um, that... Because, to be honest, I deal with owner-managed businesses, and nearly always the owner being present and being part of the business is critical to the business. Um, so in that respect, some people will call that secured. We and I both know secured in finance company terms means a charge over property. Yeah, we tend, or an asset of some kind. Yeah, we, we tend not to go that route. It can happen. Most of what we do is underwritten on the credit, the people and the personal guarantee. And um, when they, they're doing that, is, is that something that you sort of help them write the business plans or, or do they kind of, 
where how sort of involved do you need to get and how like how long would something like this actually take because it seems like pretty like it's something that I know putting my sort of lender hat on if somebody came to us there's a lot of factors you'd need to take in to make sure you're comfortable with lending to someone on that sort of basis at least in my view but I don't know what the lenders you work with are like well because I exist in a niche I interview my lenders to make sure they understand the niche. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if a lender comes to us and says, yes, we like to finance cars, I think we're not really going to be doing much business, are we? So I talk to lenders about stage payments, about startups, um, about soft assets. Um, and if we can't have those conversations, then we're not really going to be doing business together. So, they, you know, the, what I bring to the customer is a lender base who understands what they're doing. Yeah. Um, in terms of timing, our qualifiers from receipt of information, but in reality, it's it's measured in weeks rather than months. Um, That's not too bad. A push. Yeah. Uh, quite often, within a fortnight, we can get a deal from proposal to pay down. Wow. Thanks. Um, I, I would expect them to have some sort of business plan. We're not looking for huge and impressive business plan i want them to understand where they're going i want them to understand their own financials i want evidence that they've thought through you know what the financial ramifications are yeah but, you know we're not, we're not looking for a deep and detailed business plan um, no. we're looking for a bit of substance behind the deal because what we don't want to get involved with is people who are borrowed up to the hilt on everything yeah, no, that's... a little bit of their own equity, a bit of their own person in the business. But then where does that do to make that make the project come to fruition? Yeah, because it's it is an interesting kind of um a real interest market, and I can see how it can add a lot. What are the the sort of rates and stuff in that sort of thing? Because I'm I'm guessing if it's you know sort of more unsecured, we'll, we'll use that term again, but. Uh, more business sort of funding in that sense are we looking at obviously much more than your average bank sort of secured loan but where where do they sort of sit or is there a range that it normally falls within well, well the range it's, it's a wide range and obviously everyone's rates have gone up um it's going to be in the high to mid teens and now these days are toppling into the early 20s okay yeah that's where i thought um, it, it would be sort of you're looking at credit cardy numbers that kind of that's how yeah. i generally describe those things and yeah. and that's a new one because i was going to ask how the the uh, sort of interest rates have actually impacted your sector in, at the moment in absolutely direct terms we don't really get hit by interest rates um the rates have gone up but we're as because we're in the secondary lending market our rates aren't critical to the business's profit you see the a percent on your mortgage is quite a hit. A percent on on your secondary lending over three years is not nearly so much a hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, our rates are fixed for the period. Every deal we do is fixed rate, fixed terms. It's either three or five years normally. And at the point of drawdown, the rate is fixed. So obviously you have factored in our costs into your returns. And the, is the it, second is it, effect is more profound, isn't it? The fact that they're paying more on their primary debt, the fact they're paying more for their utilities, the fact they're paying more for their staff, 
obviously affects their overall business credibility and, in fact, their willingness to invest in the business. So we get a secondary hit of interest rates. Yeah. But say the primary hit is very small indeed. Yeah, because it's, I, I find it a, a, a tougher one to kind of uh, get my head around in terms of the, the sort of the way that the banks or the lenders, are they, are they banks or are they sort of family offices or is there a, a, a mix actually? It's a range. So I don't deal with any high street banks. That's sort of my view is people know the high street bank. I might be wrong about it. <laughs> um, some of the lenders we deal with are blank banks, for example, Close Bank, which most people have heard of. They obviously have specialist divisions we deal with. Um, some of them are really are one man and his money. Um, yeah. Some of them are companies that you wouldn't associate with finance at all, but they have a little finance division which we can deal with. Um, but they tend to be people you wouldn't have heard of on your day-to-day -day journeys. Yeah, is that, and with the, obviously going back to the, the rate bit, with those going up and the economy, you know, taking a little bit of a, a wobble with the inflation and everything, um, how is the sort of the actual deal flow and, and sort of leads that you've been getting in? Has that been impacted? Are you are you busier than you were with people sort of scrambling for for cash, or is it well, kind of much of a muchness? No, it's, we're not busy with people scrambling for cash because I'm not in the money lending market. Well, no, yeah. Um, I'm, I, as I say, that I'm not being flippant there. You know, I, I'm sure you do. I get multiple emails every day, people trying to give me loans business loans um, yeah. I'm absolutely not in that as I say it's about the plan and the purpose so the slowdown is that people are more reluctant to invest yeah the other side is lending criteria have toughened they haven't toughened unbelievably I, I refer to it as speed cameras on motorways so whereas we used to get away with a little bit the lenders are now imposing their own rules so, you know, where we could be a, a, a little bit flippant on what we financed and throwing in some cutlery and things into a finance package, the lenders are going to be a little stricter on it now. Yeah. So it's tougher. Um, but I think my little journey in finance has made me fairly resilient to the toughening. Yeah, because um, it's, it's a really kind of uh, a fascinating sort of space and I think if, if you've got the people that are looking to invest and sort of spend that money um, yeah it's a bit of a tough time to to do that um, how many sort of clients do you work with at any one time so I don't, I don't know the answer to that a, a busy month for me would be one where I do 20 deals oh wow that's a lot um, you know we do I deal very closely with customers it's not a process not a machine it's me and yeah. i want to understand the deal and the customer frankly if the customer doesn't want to talk to someone and be open with them we're probably not a good fit so i'll have you know 20 or 30 good ongoing customers who come to me with all their needs and then a number of customers will just come to me for a one-off you know just do the quick refurb of our restaurant just need this and we'll never deal again or might deal again in three years time yeah. So it really depends. As I say, I'm very much focused on owner managed businesses. And one of the things that I, I did mean to ask a little earlier, um, when we were talking about sort of the, the payments, is it all 
sort of repayment based as in that the every payment it will be a repayment loan so you'll be paying interest and capital as you pay or is there lump sums or is it all no, is there a bit of different sort of pretty much we, all of what we do is three or five year fixed rate fixed term fixed repayment okay so yeah. you bought your hundred thousand you pay back 60 installments of however much yeah that that makes sense because that way it sort of by the end of it, guarantees everyone's kind of happy <laughs> rather than relying on a, a big sort of balloon payment or anything like that. Yeah. Um, the the final question that I've got for you, uh, and this is obviously uh, in regards to the sort of your outlook on where you think things might be going. Um, I know that's pretty sort of broad uh, <laughs> question, uh, but how is it, what's your sort of, your vibe in terms of where we are and with the inflation and, and everything. Do you see that sort of getting better? And obviously just yesterday, uh, we're recording this on the 4th of August. Um, there was the, uh, another Bank of England base rate. So uh, yeah, where do you see that? Where do you see us going? And, and, and I think there'll be another rise. Um, I'd be very surprised if there isn't a recession. I'm not trying to be dark and bleak here. Um, but yeah. you know, the, there were some strong signs that the going is tough for people. My rest, a lot of my customers own restaurants. I talk to them about the economics of running a restaurant, and you need to be pretty sharp in the industry to survive. Um, so I think, if I'm really honest, I think the remainder of this year is going to be tough for everyone. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping the next year will be the time where things bottom out and start to turn around. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is the hope I think, and obviously I'm I'm now conscious of the time, and I, I appreciate obviously everybody that that's got to this part sort of listening in. Um, where Mark are, are people able to find you if they want to get in touch to to obviously work with you going forward? Um, I'm there on LinkedIn, Fitout Finance. The, the it's sorry the website is fitoutfinance.co.uk. And my email is marketfitoutfinance. And I say to all about people, I'm very happy for people to phone me, email me, whether it's just a general chat about funding or the market or whatever. Um, really happy to give thoughts and ideas to people. That is perfect. And obviously, I want to thank you again so much for coming on. And I, you know, this isn't a space that I'm familiar. So I've got you know, we could probably fill another hour and a bit, but uh, it is 30 minutes in finance. So we're going to have to cut it there. And I'll make sure I've got um, all of Mark's contact details and everything in the link in the description below with the links to his website and obviously his LinkedIn page. So if you do want to get in touch with him, feel free to. Um, and obviously, thanks so much again for your time, Mark. Really appreciate it. You, we'll have to get you on uh, another time once uh, to see how things are going in, in a bit. Super. Thank you, David.